Amen. It is a blessing to be able to be back and be able to preach with you guys this morning. It is a privilege uh, when our family can get away for vacation, but it's also a a good situation when the pastor wants to come back. Uh, I know pastors that they wish they could take about a three-year vacation from their church, um, hoping that absence would make the heart grow fonder. And apparently, uh, it's a good situation here. I've been a pastor now for about 21 years, and during that time span, the world has changed drastically. I've seen numerous presidents with various political uh, positions. I've had the privilege of being in Haiti shortly after it was almost decimated by a natural disaster. I've seen a nation that experienced shock and fear and even anger over the violent attacks that occurred on September 11th, 2001. Even in the church, the world has changed significantly over the past two decades. I've seen numerous televangelists who have fallen from grace. I had the opportunity to sit down to be able to pick the brain of an individual named Ted Haggard, who was the former president of the Christian Coalition and pastor of one of the largest churches in America at the time, about 12,000 people, shortly before he was shamed by a sexual indiscretion. I've seen the title of pastor transform from a position of honor and respect and admiration to a position that induced almost a sense of rage and mistrust, a shift largely driven by scandals within the church. Uh, The biggest one would have been the Catholic scandal where there were so many who were sexually inappropriate and they swept it under the carpet. By the way, even though we recognize the Catholic church with that, I was in Philadelphia where there is a large Catholic presence. The reality is the Catholics weren't the only ones who had this issue. The world has changed drastically over the past two decades. But perhaps the greatest events that brought attention to change were when individuals would pass away. For example, there are those who died because of their own foolishness. I find it so interesting that regardless of who the deceased individual was, the media can always find a family member or a friend who will lament the passing of this individual with confusion. They could have been mass murderers, and you can count on the fact that someone will say, well, I don't know what happened. He was always such a nice guy. He was liked by everybody. That may be true, but apparently not everybody since he killed a bunch of people. And then you have those whose death truly brought a time of remorse and even celebration at the same time. These were those who made a difference with their lives. I think of individuals like Ronald Reagan, Mother Teresa, and I hate to say it, but within the next few months or years, we will likely be saying the same thing about Billy Graham. The point is that we all will die at some point or another unless the Lord comes back sooner. How will you be remembered when that time comes? How much has your world changed because of the impact that you have made over your lifespan? How will you be remembered when your time comes? The story of Stephen is one that is familiar to most of us. The most significant event in his life was actually his death. Acts 7 tells us that he becomes the first New Testament martyr. He had been accused of blasphemy, a very serious crime in his culture. And as he presented his defense, 
He preaches an eloquent sermon offering grace and mercy, yet then becoming so direct that the people become offended at his call to repentance. We see their response in Acts 7, verses 54 to 58. Look at it with me. It may be on the screen. I'm not sure. It says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Not only would this event introduce us to Saul, who would later be called Paul, but it would also serve as perhaps the greatest missionary sending event in all of history. We're told in Acts 8.1 that on, the day, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And as these new believers were scattered, they brought with them the good news of Jesus Christ. This was a huge event. Had Stephen not lost his life on that occasion, there's no way that the gospel would have spread as quickly as it did. His death became the key moment in his life. It's easy to see how this event comes to mark our remembrance of him. I wonder, what are some of the events in your life that bring about certain remembrances for you? Maybe it was a negative event. Perhaps someone betrayed you. Perhaps you suffered a great loss. I have a friend in North Carolina who shared about his battle with racism. His scarring event took place when he was just a little boy and his father brought him to an actual hanging. He said he could never get that image out of his mind. There was an event that scarred him. It was an event that would stick with him and he would always remember it. And it caused much hatred in his life for a long time. Or perhaps it's a positive remembrance. You were going through a hard time and someone was there for you. Money was tight and God provided through a particular individual. I can remember our home burning down when I was a small child. We weren't involved in church, but I will tell you, people came out of the woodwork. Neighbors were there for us. They were there to provide for our family during a time of need. I will tell you, I will never, ever forget those people because they were there for us at a time that we needed them. Now, let me ask you, what events will stick out to other people regarding you. Have you been there for others in the midst of crisis? Have you been the one to create crisis for others? Some of us have brought healing. Others have brought pain. What will people remember about you? Obviously, today we're celebrating the Stephen ministry at Trinity Wesley. 
And it's not hard to see how this connects to the biblical story of Stephen. We remember him because he rose to the occasion at a specific event. And it caused him to be remembered for generations to come. Through this specific event, his life made a real difference. But I suggest that Stephen, his life mattered long before he preached to his adversaries. Stephen's life made a difference not just because of an event where he died and he put his trust in Christ. Look with me at Acts 6, 1 through 7. It describes a little bit more about Stephen before this occasion where he would be killed. It says in Acts 6, 1 through 7, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip procures Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. I will tell you, I find this a bit humorous and it's not a part of the sermon, but that last statement stands out to me so powerfully. A large number of priests became obedient to the faith. There is the assumption that because they were priests, they were spiritual individuals, and if anybody would have been obedient to the faith, it would have been them. Yet apparently that was not the case. Now I realize we're talking about Jewish priests really as the reference that's here. Those who were serving in the temple, those who were actually a part of the Jewish faith and now they are becoming obedient to the faith of God. But I am reminded of John Wesley who served in the ministry for many years, even as a missionary, yet he still felt like something was missing. And in a prayer meeting, he experienced what he called his true conversion when he said he felt his heart strangely warmed because the spirit of God had come upon him. There's the assumption that because we have been a part of a church for forever, because we grew up in the church, because we know all this information about the body of Christ and how we're supposed to live, that we must be children of God. But I ask today, are we truly obedient to the faith? Have we truly experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Have we felt our heart strangely warmed? This passage that I just read to you, we see a moment of frustration for the early church. They're simply growing too large to effectively minister to everybody without spreading the responsibilities to others. So they come up with the idea that people, the people, not just the disciples, the people should choose seven men to help with this area of leadership. 
The only criteria that is given for choosing these seven men is that they be individuals who are full of the spirit and wisdom. My first question is how did these people settle on these seven men? Why them? I suggest that it didn't just happen because these men decided on that day that they would become full of the spirit and wisdom. Instead, these are individuals who had demonstrated through their lifestyle that they were already full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. In other words, prior to this appointment, Stephen already had a heart for God and for other people. He was filled with the spirit and great wisdom. We get one additional description of him in verse five as it tells us that he was also a man of great faith. I'm not saying that the other six men who are chosen were not men of great faith, but I want you to notice that it was his faith that stood out among everybody else. It doesn't say that they were men of great faith. It says Stephen was a man of great faith. Notice that these were men who were not already dead. You say, well, of course they weren't, Pastor. But I just referenced at the beginning, there are some individuals who when they die, sometimes we, remind, we remember them more fondly than what we did in life. These were men who were still with them. And they looked at them and they knew these were men who truly were full of the Holy Spirit. You could tell in the lives, the way they lived, the way they talked, the attitude that they displayed. These were men who lived what it was to be a child of God. And what important position would Stephen and these others fill in the days that would follow? They would become servants. They would distribute food. They would meet practical needs to those in the body of Christ. And in doing so, they would free up the apostles to preach the word of God more freely. I suggest that this is something that has changed within the church culture today. We have this mindset that if practical ministry is to take place, the pastor must be involved. If there's an event of the church, then the pastor must be present. If you're in the hospital and 20 people from the church come to visit, but the pastor doesn't show, then nobody from the church came. By the way, I recently made a hospital visit. This is actually a, a praise. I, I celebrate you as a church. I recently made a hospital visit, and as I got in there, I introduced myself as Pastor Mike, and the response was, oh, you're the fourth pastor who's been there. Pastor Wiggins had been there, Pastor Don had been there, and Pastor Willett had been there. I loved it. That's what's supposed to happen. We are all a part of the body of Christ, and every one of you it's supposed to be about serving not just the retired ministers either, all of us. Understand this, all churches are most effective when the ministry is spread among all the people. And I believe that Stephen ministry helps to facilitate that. Certainly those who serve in this ministry are not the only ones, but the Stephen ministers of this church are absolutely making a difference. Perhaps you'd like to be a part of the Stephen ministry. I'll tell you that even if you don't become a part of Stephen ministry, this church needs you. We cannot accomplish all that God has for us unless every one of us is a part of the work. Let me close with an idea for you. 
A few years ago, I was going to a local hospital to minister to a 27-year-old who was terminally ill with cancer. 27 years of age. Had grown up in the church, actually had been diagnosed at the age of five. They did not expect him to make his teen years. At 27 years of age, he had reached a point where he was in intensive care and they did not expect him to make it. We were just finishing up our praise team practice and one of the individuals from the praise team said, Pastor, I'd like to be able to go with you to visit as well. We got in the car and as we got in the car, all of a sudden it hit us. We're gonna get there and I'm gonna be able to go in to visit. But Paul, the individual who was with me, would not. The reason is because when it's ICU, there are very specific hours that they will allow people to visit. But there is one individual who can always get in. It's the pastor. Paul said, I'm going to have to sit out there and watch and wait for you to come back out. So what we did, and maybe this sounds really dumb, we had just a little bit of a swearing in ceremony there in my car. And he became my assistant pastor for the night. And when we got to the ICU unit, we all, both of us got to go in and to visit with, the individual's name was Ryan. We got to go in and visit. He was alert enough to be able to recognize us. We prayed over him. And I'm not telling you that it's because of the fact that me and Paul were there, but I'm telling you the next day, Ryan got up from that, that bed and it was a miracle that God performed in his life. I'm going to tell you that it is not just the pastor who should be out making visits. Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20 says that we are to therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Today, I want to officially commission you to go out and to serve. Much like I did with Paul that night. You don't have to hold up your hand. You don't have to put it on a Bible. But I want you to realize that as Jesus commissioned his disciples to go and to do, go and to serve, go out and to proclaim and to preach and to baptize and to make disciples, go out and serve. Go out and make a difference. Jesus did so with the expectation that every single one of those disciples would change the world. What would happen if the church decided it wasn't just going to be the pastor that went out and changed the world? It wasn't just going to be the Sunday school teacher or the missionary that goes out and changes the world. But every one of us was truly going to be a priest in the house of the Lord. Every one of us was going to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the hope that only he could offer. What would happen to this world if all of us took that seriously. God has commissioned you to go and to make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them the word of God. He has commissioned you to offer grace, to feed the hungry, to visit the sick, to serve the children and to counsel the brokenhearted. As you are filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom, Use that spirit and that wisdom to go and to make a difference for Christ and for his kingdom. From this moment forward, you should never see your ministry as being less than valuable. For you are all commissioned by God to go out and to change the world. 
so that when the time comes for people to reflect on who you are, they will say, this is a man or a woman of God, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, a man or a woman of great faith. This is a man or a woman who is changing the world for Jesus Christ. This church is going to make an incredible difference in our world, but it will not do it if it is just the pastor, the retired ministers or the Sunday school teachers or the missionaries. We as a part of the Wesleyan denomination believe in what's called the priesthood of all believers. That means that whether you are a ordained minister or not, you as a part of the body of Christ are to be God's ambassador to that world out there. God has commissioned you to go and to do it. Don't minimize this. This is serious. God trusted you enough that he would say, I want you to be my voice. I want you to be my witness. I want you to be the one to proclaim to this world that I love them and I have a hope and I have great plans and a promise for them. It is only through Jesus Christ that this world is going to be changed, but he has decided to use you. Do not minimize that. What a privilege that is for us. We're going to pray. And as we do, I'm going to invite you to simply open up your hearts and be willing to respond to God's commissioning for you. I'm not going to invite people up to the front, although if you feel the need to come forward and simply say, God, I belong to you and I will answer your call. You are welcome to do so. I'm going to ask if you would to stand and join us as we pray today. Father, we begin by simply thanking you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. The one thing that stood out about Stephen was he was full of the Spirit and wisdom. Lord, thank you for sending your Spirit into your people. Thank you for the transforming work that your spirit does within us. And Lord, I pray right now that you would allow each of us, if we have not yet experienced that gift of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that at this moment, Lord, that we would receive your spirit and that we would be transformed. Not just to be more passionate, but rather to be enabled, to be empowered, to go out and to live in obedience to you. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that we would find complete forgiveness. Fill us today so that we would be made new. Lord, I pray that you would then use us. Give us such a burden and a hunger to go out and to respond to the calling, the commissioning that you've placed on us, to proclaim the word of God, to make disciples, to baptize, and to serve to be with those who hurt and offer them comfort, to be with those who are sick and offer them healing. Lord, I pray today that you would move in such a mighty way among the people of God, Lord, that we would experience revival much like the disciples experienced revival. 
Lord, that you would move in such a mighty way that at some point we would be able to proclaim much as the disciples did, much as the writer of Acts did, where he said, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. But I pray that you would move in this community. There are 96,000 people in this community that need you. Use us to reach into their lives and to love them and to show them that there is only one way and it is through your son, Jesus Christ. Use us, all of us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I challenge you. You have been commissioned. Be a good steward with what he commissioned you to do. I thank you for being with us today, and I do invite you, please come back this evening. Not only is, uh, is Greg doing the uh, study for the, those who want to work with the children and youth ministry, but also we do a service here on Sunday night. We are going to be looking tonight at the fruit of the Spirit, because if the Spirit of God is in you, it ought to be evident, and hopefully it is with you. Thank you for being with us this morning, and go in peace.